0: Welcome to Connections, I'm Colleen Hood. When life throws us a curveball such as a job loss, the death of a loved one, an aging parent, or even a global pandemic... How Do Marriages Survive? Trying times are precisely when too many couples find themselves driven apart. Today, we're once again joined by Carol and Jean Kent, as well as Cindy and David Lambert. They co-authored a new book called Staying Power. The goal of their book is to help couples get through these tough times, and they know all too well as they share their own real life examples in the book. We'll hear their stories today and methods that they've used to help them through the toughest parts of their marriages. That's today on Connections. We're joined again today by Carolyn Jean Kent, as well as Cindy and David Lambert. They are the co-authors of a book called Staying Power. The goal of this book is to help keep couples together in the toughest of times. Yesterday, one of the things that you said was most important was to make pre-decisions and to make the right choices. Uh, and if we don't make the next right choice, that can lead to some anger in relationships. How can we prevent ourselves, um, especially in times of crisis from getting angry at one another?
1: You know, I had never thought about there being a positive aspect to anger before. And Dave and Cindy and Jean and I spent a lot of time together talking about this because we we sometimes forget that when anger comes into a situation, there's no more hiding. And so we start to understand where the other person is coming from. And Dave and Cindy, uh, this is something you have expressed so beautifully. Take it away.
2: Well, one of the things that when we first started to talk about anger as, as, a, as a topic for this book, you know, the four of us sitting down and talking it through, I, I was like Carol. T- to me, in previous relationships, anger had always been a negative. Anger is where things start to unravel. And and yet, as we as we talked about it, we were able to come up with with a number of examples of ways in which anger can be positive. For instance, uh, when your spouse is angry, that provides motivation for you to address that issue and, and get to the bottom of it and, and try to, to uh, find the cause for that anger and help your spouse to, to uh, move away from it. Uh, anger can teach you something about yourself. When you get angry, you ask yourself, why is it that this issue, those words, Made me so angry, and you can learn something about yourself that way. And here's a really strange—I mean, anger can actually reduce violence. And you think, well, wait a minute, isn't that sort of the uh, the, the, the ultimate cause for violence? I mean, take a bar brawl for an instance—you've got two guys who get angry and they and, and they start fighting in a bar. Yes, but when you're around someone who's angry. That provides motivation for you before before the blows start to, to rain down, to uh, to actually address the issue and say, well, wait a minute, let's calm down, let's take a look at this. Why is this uh, Why is this such a problem? Uh, so, yes, actually, there are a number of ways in which anger can be a uh, a force for getting to the bottom of problems and, and actually helping to strengthen a marriage.
3: And- I think it really can be a catalyst. Um, if, if we're trained, or not, not trained, but if we're intentional about looking for it to happen, like when anger flares, to stop and think, wait a minute, if one of us is angry, it probably means there's an unmet expectation. Oh, and so what is that expectation? And, and the fact that it's going unmet, maybe my spouse just doesn't have it in them. To meet this particular expectation right now, but God, God can can meet every expectation that we have, and so it really can help us then to, um, you know, to to really focus on okay, my expectations of myself might be a little over the top right now. I need to rely on God. And speaking, Colleen,
4: of, yeah. Colleen, that's just a great point. I'm sure there's lots of families who are sitting out there listening, and uh, they're they're together much more than they have ever been in their lives. And the uh, kids are running around the house. And it's such a perfect time when the mom and dad can help the kids uh, understand a little more about anger. And uh, just speaking as a dad, I'm sure there's, I know there's times in my past when uh, anger cropped up and if I could only at that point have spiritually looked at it and discussed it openly, uh, which is a great opportunity for us as a family then to discuss when that anger would crop up in our family relationship, and if we could only discuss openly then and intentionally, where's that coming from? You know, and it might be uh you know, a brother responding to his sister or vice versa. But oftentimes it's a men it's a man's problem, but I know women have it too. But it gives us a great opportunity for some spiritual teaching about who we are as people and how God wants to uh help us through life and encourage us and to take care of the the problems we often bring on ourselves.
0: Now, we've heard faith come up a lot during our discussion over the past few days when it comes to crisis and relationships. How important is faith?
3: I think... It's absolutely... Go ahead, ahead, Cindy. This is so good. I was going to say, it's absolutely critical. Um, And, you know, what's interesting is often... Couples aren't necessarily in the exact same place in their faith walk. Um, you know, one cup, one uh, spouse may may be a little bit more trusting of God than the other, or have a little bit more experience with um, with answered prayer than the other. And I think this is where we need to see any crisis that hits as an opportunity to grow our faith. You know, it's when we we actually grow when we kind of reach the limit of, of our faith, and we need to take the next step. Uh, and so when, when crisis does hit, I think that we can say, okay, Lord, uh, you're about to grow my faith here. I'm going to see you as bigger than I thought you were, because you're going to help me through this situation.
0: Now, in your book, you've encouraged couples to take time out. But in a lot of situations, couples can't even think, let alone sit down and take a time out. So how do people do this?
1: I think for Jean and for me, this has been one of the most important aspects of making it through an ongoing uh, challenge in our our marriage with having an incarcerated son. And we were used to being controllers. We're first born both of us. And you know what that makes us, Colleen? <laughs> Bossy. <laughs> we like to be in charge. We like to get through our to do list. We like to make sure everything is orderly and taken care of. And uh, suddenly we realized we were in this impossible situation. And we had to learn how to take short breaks outside and breathe deeply. It was really good to be out there in God's gorgeous creation. And something we started doing was to take three-mile walks a day on our at-home days, and we would make those prayer walks. And we would have our eyes wide open, and we would say, Lord, thank you for the beauty of this day. We're so grateful for all you've done. And uh, Jean would say, and Lord, would you take care of our son and protect him at the prison today? Give him an opportunity to mentor, encourage, or instruct a fellow inmate or to bless one of those corrections officers. And then I might take it away and say, Lord, would would you bless Jean's 91-year-old mother today? And we found through taking those walks and praying out loud with our eyes wide open that it brought us together spiritually and as a couple, and it was very powerful. And I think one of the most important, important things we learned with timeouts is that usually one of the people, either the husband or the wife, is stronger at some point in the middle of the crisis than the other one. And we know each other well enough to know when our spouse is on the last thread of his or her last nerve. And so we need to give them permission to get away for a couple of hours and to uh, handle the situation when we're feeling stronger.
2: The timeout's Need to be in solitude. You know, there's a difference between extroverts and introverts, and uh, introverts recharge uh, during times of solitude. So sometimes you do just need to say to your introverted spouse, uh, "You've got my permission to go out on the kayak on the lake, or to go fishing, or to go for a go for a hike, and just spend some time uh, out in nature or, or or some other way by by yourself, so that uh, so that you can recharge. That's that's important because then they'll come back refreshed. And not just refreshed but strengthened because they draw strength from that from that solitude from that uh, from that time alone.
3: that was an important one for me to learn because uh I'm an extrovert, I'm very much a together and with person uh if I'm hurting, if I'm struggling, if I'm dealing with a crisis that's really come that's gotten under my skin, I want to talk that out uh with my life partner, uh, I really do. I, you know, I want to turn to Dave, and I just want to talk and talk and talk about it. Uh, when Dave is hurting, uh, Dave really needs to retreat and be alone. And so as as a couple, how do you deal with that? Um, and for me, as I understood that Dave recharges in that time alone, you know, I was able to say, okay, you know, we really need to, to meet each other's needs here. We're going to need time when Dave is available to me for me to be able to verbalize what's going on and be able to empathize with me. But we're also going to need time, and I need to, to, to graciously encourage Dave to take that time alone uh, so that he can recharge without me feeling insulted or left out or forgotten. As a result of that
0: time that he needs. You just have to understand one another and where where you're at.
3: Yes. Yes,
2: and especially right now in the sort of the COVID-19 era, you know, when the extroverts are stuck at home and can't get out (laughs) into a crowd and can't spend time with friends so that uh, those voices on the telephone and time spent with your spouse as the two of you shelter in place together. Uh, become really important for, for the extroverts. That's how they're going to, going to recharge.
0: When it comes to forgiveness, why is it so important um, when all is said and done at the end of the day to, to forgive a spouse in any situation?
1: Well, forgiveness is something that we sometimes really misunderstand in our marriages. And uh, I think that we need to remember that forgiveness is really letting go of my right to hurt you for hurting me. And that can be really difficult. And sometimes when we're dealing with ongoing challenges, for instance, I have a friend uh, and they I, we have friends who have an autistic daughter. And when she gets in her certain moods and the anxiety is high, uh, she has even spread bowel movements on the wall of her bedroom. And they have had to say, you know what, um, we could blame one another for the actions of our child who is struggling with a severe disability and blame ourselves for uh, all that's happening, or we can choose to forgive each other for sometimes losing our temper over what our child is doing, and we can make the right choice to move forward. And when it comes to forgiveness, I think we need to make keep short accounts and uh, apologize, and talk about what's happened.
2: thinking about things I've heard sometimes when people talk about forgiveness, and they talk about it as if it's easy. (laughs) And and it's not easy. If forgiveness were easy, Christ would not have had to die on the cross. Oh, Uh, very good. Forgiveness can be really, really hard, and and, and a lot of marriages have, have foundered over issues that they just really found they they could not forgive each other for, and and every time those issues resurfaced, the anger would come back. So don't be afraid over this issue of forgiveness, which can be really hard, Uh, more so for some couples than others, and if you're one of those couples for which it's really hard, don't be afraid to seek help. This is one of those areas where counseling, uh, even seeking professional help can be really important can be even necessary uh, so so uh, there, there are a lot of principles that you know that can be applied to couples who, who need to deal with forgiveness but but just make sure that when you put them into place things like keeping short accounts um, talking about what happened being willing to apologize Cindy mentioned practicing automa Cindy and Carol both mentioned practicing automatic forgiveness. Those things are good, and they're really important, but when none of them seem to work, don't be afraid to, uh, to seek help to get through this issue of, of forgiveness.
3: I think one important thing to remember about forgiveness is that forgiveness really is a process. It's not necessarily a single moment in time when you flip a switch, and all of a sudden there is complete forgiveness, and all the emotions that went along dissipate. Uh, that That rarely happens. Forgiveness is an act of the will. It's a decision that we make, and it's an, often a decision that we need to keep making uh, because something could happen that triggers some, some anger or frustration, and the first thing that might pop in the mind is that thing that you thought you already forgave yourself for, and yet there it is right there in the front of your mind. And so it's a matter of continually um, submitting uh, to to God, continually submitting that act to the Lord and saying, Lord, you died to cover this particular wrong uh, that, that was made. And so help me, Lord, to continue to forgive.
1: I think, too, Cindy, I love what you just said. And when we forgive, it doesn't mean that... The wrong done to us is negated. There may be horrible things that spouses have done to each other, but it, pre- it sets us free from bitterness and from anger, and it allows us to start going in a forward direction.
0: For those who want to learn more uh, about the book Staying Power or about the Kents or the Lamberts, how do they go about doing that?
1: Well, people can find Staying Power on Amazon.ca. They can find it in most bookstores and certainly they can uh, go to uh, my website, carolkent.org, and they'll find more information on the book. But we trust that this is a wonderful opportunity for couples to work through the discussion questions that are at the end of each chapter, and they can either do that together or they could even start a Zoom class with other, other couples and talk through the principles in this book. Since we're all sheltering in these days, But uh, we appreciate Baker Bookhouse, and uh, they have been wonderful about putting in the back of this book our suggestion for crisis help sheets. There are 13 different go-to sheets where if someone is finding their marriages in crisis in one of those areas right now and they're dealing with an issue, they'll find websites, books, and resources instantly that give them something they can do today to find answers.
0: For our listener out there that is sitting there um, with their spouse thinking, like, this is our current situation, I just don't know what to do anymore, what would you say, what are your final parting words for that couple that's just sitting there and really just doesn't know what to do?
3: I think I would say that the very first step that you can take is to agree with your spouse, you know what, honey, we're in this together. This isn't me against you or you against me, we are in this together together. Let's commit to, to working together through this crisis rather than going our separate ways or finger pointing. Let's do it together.
0: Thank you all so much for joining us today. Remember, if you want to listen to the full conversation from either today or yesterday, you can always do that by visiting your radio station's website. We'll talk to you again on Connections.